I remember the first time that I saw someone abandon their Catholic faith. And this person in particular, I remember it being someone that I was kind of inspired by. I kind of looked up to them. They were someone that led retreats, gave talks, led small groups. They were actively involved in their faith and really established themselves as a witness. And then one day, this was back when I was in college, I recognized that according to their social media, they had left the church. And I remembered just kind of being struck, like, man, like, how does this happen? Someone who was like all in, all of a sudden is just like anti-Catholic at this point. And I want to be reverent there, like there's, there's reasons, so many different reasons that different people have for why they leave the church or why they lose their faith or maybe both. And and those reasons are, are a long list, and everybody has their own story. But through the years, I've noticed that more and more people that I know are starting to do this. And I start to reflect in my own life of how fortunate I am that God has been so good to me so that whenever I have gone through mountains and valleys, when I've gone through good times and difficult times, He has supported me through it. So that I've never experienced what those people have been experiencing. I've never gotten so down in the dumps that I actually left the church. But it's a hard reality that we have to grapple with. What's going on? One thing that I'm very passionate about as, you know, all these years that I've been in ministry is that evangelization is not a program. Evangelization happens through personal relationships. And there are many programs out there that do really good things. And I myself have experienced God's grace and even my own conversion has been like empowered through certain programs that church parishes have offered. And I've seen the fruits of a lot of programs. I, I know many of you, I've, I've heard, um, went to Crisio and then came back changed. A different person. Crisio changed your life. I know some people, the same thing happened with the Axe program. They joined, they went to an Axe retreat, and they came back, and their life was different. Praise God. I know that for some people, it's other programs. Maybe the Knights of Columbus or uh, the Alpha program or... Uh, maybe if you're in high school, you went to a Steubenville retreat or maybe something else. And this is awesome. These are good things. The church has provided opportunities for us to grow in faith and to really um, encounter Jesus in a personal way. But even that is not evangelization, at least not enough. It won't do it because there's plenty of people that go to these programs and a few years later find themselves very far from God. Evangelization happens through personal relationships. In my own life, I was very fortunate in high school that my girlfriend at the time took her faith so seriously. She wanted to be a saint. She wanted to grow in her faith. She wanted to learn more about her faith. And because we were dating, I too got inspired and together we grew and we challenged each other. 
we introduced each other to other friends who took the faith seriously. And that is what changed me. The programs helped, but the relationships were my anchor. I remember going to UL. I was very fortunate to be involved at the Catholic Student Center at Wisdom. And it was there that I met an even larger community of people that were intentionally trying to grow in their faith. And not only grow in their faith, but also to share their faith. I was very blessed my second year at UL to have the Focus missionaries come. That was the first year that came to UL. And uh, Focus uh, is an organization of recent uh, graduates from college that typically go to college campuses. And they their whole mission is just to share the faith on college campuses. And And one thing that they... Uh, embody and embrace really well is that they understand that evangelization is through those personal interactions. And so I was very blessed to have one of those uh, missionaries really um, start a friendship with me, really care about the details of my life, really walk with me through my questions, through my challenges, through my joys, through my sufferings. And through that friendship, I was challenged to see my role in the church differently. He challenged me to see that I was no, not someone to simply receive, not someone to simply seek another spiritual high, not someone just to simply go to church and go through the motions, but that my role as a 19-year-old college student was to evangelize, to be on mission, to change people's lives through my personal interaction with them, that I didn't have to be someone special to do that, that my mission began right then and there. And that changed me. And I was fortunate enough to have friends that were also being challenged to do the same, developing a community where together all of us were supporting each other, but also going out and just meeting people where they were at and and trying to take them to take another step forward in their faith organically, just personally, nothing too structured, but intentionally. And through that mindset, I began to live a life of mission. How awesome would it be if every single one of us did the same? Sometimes we get caught in the trap of like just waiting on the priest to be on mission and just hoping that he can do it all. Or maybe the priest in you know, just a few church staff members. But how awesome would it be if a whole parish truly lived their life on mission? In today's gospel, what we see is that Jesus sends out 72 disciples on a miniature mission. Jesus intends to go to these towns and to, of course, share the good news of the kingdom of God. But before he goes, he sends 72 disciples out. And actually, before this passage, uh, a few, uh, a little while earlier in this gospel, uh, we see that Jesus did the same with the 12 apostles. But right now, he's doing it with the 72 disciples. And it's awesome because they come back and it was seemingly successful that they were given Jesus' authority to cure the sick, to cast out demons, to, to share the faith, and to change people's lives on the spot. And they're excited. Jesus, what he's doing here is setting up a priestly structure. And to understand that more fully, what we've got to do is understand a little bit about the Old Testament. And so in the Old Testament, we know the story of Moses. 
he sets the Israelites free from Egypt, and he leads them through the desert into the promised land. And as he's leading them to the promised land, sometimes we forget that Moses is leading thousands of Israelites. Like it wasn't just like 30 or 40 of them just like hanging out together. This is a, like thousands. This is a huge crowd of people. And you and I, we all know like it's easy to get lost in a crowd. Like go to a concert and like you're just another person in that crowd. And so what Moses did by God's, you know, um, guidance is that he kind of created a structure. And so what we have is Aaron as the high priest of Israel and um, Nadav and Abihu are kind of like the top three underneath Moses, just kind of um, helping Moses like keep a gauge on everything. And then underneath them, what we have is the 12 uh, pillars of the 12 tribes of Israel. So there were 12 men, each leading their own tribe. And so of these thousands of groups, everyone, if you're an Israelite, you're a part of at least, you're part of one tribe. And even within the tribes, Moses set up 70 priestly elders, each to shepherd their own miniature flock within their tribe, kind of creating a structure so that the, the, the point here is not to just create you know, a power chain so that, you know, all these people are really important and no one else is. The point is so that every single Israelite is known, shepherded, loved, guided, known face-to-face by someone with the authority of Moses. Jesus comes onto the scene, and in very many different ways throughout the gospel, kind of establishes himself as a new Moses, fulfilling all that Moses did in the Old Testament, but bringing it to a new reality. And one of the ways in which he does this and makes that really clear for his followers is that he sets up a similar priestly structure that Moses did. Just as Aaron was a high priest, he chooses Peter as the rock, the the pope. Just as he has the top three, Aaron, Abihu, and Nadab, Jesus has Peter, James, and John, kind of the the three chosen ones of the disciples, of the apostles, and he invites those three in particular into a special intimacy with him, allowing them to participate in the transfiguration in the Garden of Gethsemane and so forth. Then he has the 12 apostles, just as there were the 12 pillars of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus chooses 12 men to kind of fulfill and restore the 12 tribes of Israel. These these men are the first bishops of the church. And then he has to fulfill the 70 priestly elders of the Old Testament. He has the 72 disciples that he sends out on mission with the authority of Jesus Christ. And so scripture scholars kind of interpret this and understand this to be the first priests of the church. So Jesus does establish a structure, not in order to create a power chain, but in order to create an organized, visible element to the church, to the body of Jesus Christ. But here's where we're going to take an extra step. What we know now especially now that Jesus has died, risen, and ascended into heaven, he established that priestly call, not only to these 72 disciples, but to every single baptized member 
of the body of Christ. Yes, I just told you that you are priests. To be a priest is to be one who sanctifies. One who makes the world holy. And although there is the ordained ministerial priesthood, of which I'm a part, kind of um, hand it down all through the centuries from these 72 disciples to me, there's also the priesthood of the laity, the priesthood of the baptized, which is to say that all of you are on mission. If you've been baptized, you are on mission. You're not here simply just to be encouraged by Father White. You're not here simply just to get a moment of peace in your stressful week. You're on mission. Jesus sends you with the same authority that he did with all of his disciples that followed him. Same authority by virtue of your baptism. And as he ascended into heaven, he commanded all of his disciples to go and make more disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. I want us to start thinking in terms of mission, to start seeing ourselves on mission, not just parishioners, but, but disciples on mission. And how does it happen? Yeah, there's so much that you already do, and this is just, I believe, the best parish. It's awesome how, how ready y'all are to serve and to, to help, help us create different programs and structures in the parish. And it's beautiful. We're seeing a lot of fruit in that. But beyond all of those programs, beyond every single thing that we do in this parish, all of it is for naught if we are not together on mission through relationships. Evangelization is not a program. It's a relationship. So how do we do it? Well, it begins with your own circle of influence. Think of the people in your own life right now. You know people that I don't. You know people that are not coming to church at all. You know people that are struggling. Maybe they are coming to church, but you know the details. And they're on the verge of breaking. (laughs) Maybe that's you, actually. Start with your own circle of influence. Who are your three, your 12, and your 72? In fact, my, my, with my time uh, with, with Focus, um, they really challenged us like, to bring this to prayer, like to go to the chapel and like, put this on a piece of paper. Start thinking, like, asking the Lord to reveal to you, who are the people in my life that the Lord, has, that the Lord is asking me to be intentional about? And these are not projects. These are not problems to be solved. These are human persons begging for relationship with God, looking for companionship, someone to walk with them to Jesus. But evangelization won't happen on accident. But if we're intentional, if we're aware of our three, our 12, our 72, we have a mindset that's on mission. And we can be intentional about walking with people through their mountains and their valleys. And it may not be exactly three. It may not be exactly 12, 72, but you get the gist. So let's unpack it. So the 72, these 72 people, these are the people in your life that are acquaintances. 
These are the people in your life that you, you generally know their name, you kind of know a little bit about them, but you don't spend a whole lot of time with them. And that's okay, but your call, your role, the way that you evangelize these people is by being a witness, always ready to invite them to any opportunity that you think might benefit their life. You're, you're there to encourage them, to kind of be a cheerleader. To, you're there to be, even just give them a smile or a word of affirmation. You're there to be a witness, both by the way that you live your life, but also the words you say. Be not afraid to actually speak the gospel to these people, to invite them to, to speak the words of truth. That's your 72, your acquaintances. So more specifically, uh, it may be people in this parish. It may be people uh, that, um, parents that attend, uh, parents of, you know, your schools, wait, your children's school. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. If you're in school, it's the people that go to school with you. It's kind of like that larger group of people that you're just kind of generally connected to. All right, that's a 72. You're called to be a witness. Then you have the 12. The 12 are the people that are kind of in a, a, a little bit of a deeper relationship with you. So they may not be like your best friends, but you know a little bit more. Like you, you spend quite a bit of time with them. And um, these people are, are really important to you. Maybe this is your small group. Or maybe this is your neighborhood. Or maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your sports team or the parents of your children's sports team. So it's a, it's a little bit smaller of a group, and it doesn't have to be exactly 12. It might be 20 or 30, or it might just be, you know, five or six. But these are the people in your life you are called to accompany. You're called to walk with them. You're called to know a little bit more about what they're going through, to pray a little bit more intentionally about what they're experiencing to support them, encourage them, to challenge them in their faith, to allow them to challenge you. You're walking side by side together in intentional direction. That's your 12. And then you have your three. The three, this is spiritual friendship. These are people that you're called to invest your whole life in. These are people that you know the details of what they're going through, and they probably know the details of what you're going through. And together you are challenging each other to go deeper and deeper into your faith. So for example, this might be your family. If you're a parent, this is definitely your children and your spouse. It might be your best friends. Or the Lord might just give someone to you from your life. Maybe someone that started out in the 72 category, kind of got into your 12 category, and now the Lord's asking you to really, really invest in this person. Again, this is not a project. They're not a problem to be solved. These are persons. And our role is to have an authentic relationship with them. Striving for spiritual friendship. Encouraging each other to become saints. That's evangelization. That's how people's lives are changed. That is the reason why I am a priest, because people did that for me. And I've been blessed to be able to walk with so many others. And as I walk with others, I too grow in my faith. It gives me life in my priesthood. We want to multiply disciples. That's our, fifth, our fourth core value. And it's so essential to 
uh, staying alive in our faith. Not only will we grow in number and also in depth, but we will also ourselves be saved from lukewarmness. We will be spared of drifting away and spiraling down into a pit of discouragement. If we're not on mission, we lose our identity. If you are baptized, you are called to sanctify this world. You share in the priestly mission of Jesus Christ. Although different than the ministerial priesthood, the baptized priesthood. Catechism paragraph 873. The baptized priesthood of the laity is to sanctify this world through relationships. Who's your 12? Who's your 3, your 12, and your 72? I want to just challenge you to uh, take that to prayer sometime this week. It may not be those exact numbers, but to ask the Lord to reveal to you, who are those people in your life that you're called to witness, you're called to accompany, and you're called to invest? Who are those people in your life that you are, are called to be intentional about? Evangelization doesn't happen on accident, but how awesome would it be if every single one of you would invest your life in 3, 12, and 72. We, not just in this parish, but in this diocese and in this state, would be on fire, changing people's lives for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.